done with stanza nine and I really enjoyed that stanza and this is going to be a little complicated for me because I I noticed that in this stanza I think Tolkien is getting into some of the some of his own politics and we'll we'll get into it but I've in a way been trying to steer clear of doing too much political commentary of my own but I think it might be unavoidable in this stanza and I'll try and give my own understanding of the historical context that Tolkien was writing in it may be more or less correct but again this is my personal analysis of these lines so that comes along with all the ignorance within me and the potential knowledge that I have so let's get into it first line blessed are the legend makers with their rhyme of things not found within recorded time so in the last two stanzas we had blessed are the timid hearts that evil hate and then in the next stanza we have blessed are the men of noah's race that build their little arcs though frail and poorly filled now we have blessed are the legend makers with their rhyme of things not found within recorded time so blessed are the legend makers who are the legend makers i think these are tolkien's sub creators these people that distill experience and culture conception perception transmitted knowledge and the the concepts that we form around all of these things in ourselves and it's an individual and a collective process but it's all within this concept of sub-creation it does not supersede the over-creation of the creator which in Tolkien's view is God of the Christian faith particularly of the Catholic faith but we as meaning making souls and minds we engage in this sub-creation but I think when he's saying legend makers here I think he's bringing in the brackets a little bit into people that really set the tone for this sub-creation. If we look at writers and thinkers such as Tolkien and his friend C.S. Lewis, their sub-creation as as much as people are generally aware, their sub-creation was the Lord of the Rings and the Narnian 
stories. Or maybe a better way to say it would be the whole world of Lord of the Rings and the whole world of Narnia. And we also see people that set the tone in different times. We had Dante and the Divine Comedy setting the tone for theological thinking from that point on. And then we had someone like Milton, Milton, who wrote Paradise Lost. That even created our modern conception of the devil, of Satan, of Lucifer, this angel of light, this highest of angels that fell from grace and ultimately said, evil be thy good, evil be my good. And so these sub-creations of these legend makers set the rhyme. And they do it by perceiving, maybe I should say conceiving, things outside of time or not found within recorded time. So... Psychoanalysis was pretty big at this time, so it's hard for me to see how this isn't in some ways related to the Freud's id, this fundamental, shadowy, ambiguous, just out of reach nature of ours. Just like the story of Adam and Eve. And that true origin that Tolkien talks about earlier, this, this vague recollection of what we were before recorded time, before history. And so, because we can't see more or less clearly what actually happened, we create poetry around these things. We create stories around these things. And I really like this idea in this book by John Walton called The Lost World of Genesis 1. And his idea of the creation story in Genesis is that it is a functional description. That because of the way in which the Hebrew language worked at that time and the structure and the way that they use language in that poem, it's a functional description. It is not a literal description. Now, how we want to interpret that is one thing, but Walton presents this option of looking at this in a kind of abstracted way that gets at the fundamental function of creation. So how, how would I describe this? It's, it's more or less that the literal aspects of that creation, 
symbolize the way in which aspects of creation interact with each other and tend to function in a coherent way, in that way that they are supposed to function when God says this is good. I should get, I should get on to the next line here. It is not they that have forgot the night or bid us flee to organized delight. So we have night here is capitalized. So these legend makers, it's not them. It's not they that have forgot the night. So this was dark, mysterious. Maybe we could say that night is a place in which we found true despair. And these legend makers are able to describe and translate and communicate the truth of that night and make people aware of it. And this goes back up to a stanza far above this one that says, Yes, wish, wish fulfillment dreams we spend to cheat our timid hearts and ugly fact defeat. So, he has this idea that, yes, religiously minded people, theists, and spirit, spiritual people, are often thought of as using transcendence as a crutch in order to protect ourselves from the gross reality of existence. Someone like Camus or Sartre might say that. In, in fact, I, I know that Camus says that. And Tolkien here is saying that, no, the these spiritually minded legend makers actually express the lowest along with the highest of our of our potentiality of experience so they have not forgot the night or bid us flee to organized delight here's where the politics and history comes in so obviously I should know exactly when this poem was written but I'm going to assume that this was that these arguments were made that walk that Dyson and Tolkien and Lewis took I'm going to assume that that was in between World War One and World War Two, so essentially 1918 to 1935. And what were the big movements of this time? We had been, at least Europe, had been moving away from liberal, in a way, laissez-faire society into a more socialist, socialistic structure 
to more or less degree organized, bureaucratic, top-down management type of society. And in, in a way, I think Tolkien's saying here that those forces that are encouraging organization in hope of coming to this better state of society are actually the ones that are creating these wish fulfillment dreams. These are the true wish fulfillment dreams that we can create this utopian society and sacrifice whatever we need to to get there. Now, so socialism in this time is a very wide concept. We had anywhere from the Nazis, the National Socialist Party, the National Socialist Workers' Party of Germany, all the way to the Bolsheviks in Russia, the communists, where communism is a subset of socialism. And we had the Nazis and the Bolsheviks as mortal enemies in that conflict. Now, they were allies before that, but I won't get into that. But most people think of the Nazis as on the right and the Bolsheviks as on the left. But in reality, they are both under this socialist, ultra-organized mentality this top-down management, this bureaucracy in pursuit of better society. And whether it's a caricature or not, we saw the results of what people were willing to do to get to that higher state. We had something like 20 million of the Soviet nation being killed under Stalin. And I think we're all more aware of what happened in Nazi Germany. But we also had a big socialist movement in, in, in Britain and in the UK. After World War II, the socialist government took over and they implemented the modern welfare state, universal health care, and so on. And I'm not saying that's a good good thing or a bad thing, but I think that has a lot to do with what Tolkien is saying here. And I, I wish I had it on the, off the top of my head or written down here, but Dostoevsky speaks to this aspiration be beautifully in uh, The Underground Man. Life in the under life in the underground, one of those. But there's there's this amazing section about men not being piano keys. Maybe look that one up. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, section. Kierkegaard talks about this. I think all of the existentialists, apart from Sartre, are very hesitant to siphon away 
individual liberties in pursuit of a higher end. Sartre pandered to the Communist Party of the Bolsheviks, so in, the, in my opinion, that's uh, that speaks for itself. <laughs> but uh, all right, next line. Bid us flee to organized delight in lotus isles of economic bliss, for swearing souls to gain a serous kiss. In lotus isles of economic bliss. So lotus, we have this eastern phrase of enlightenment, this symbol of serenity, acceptance. Some would say resignation. And so what comes to my mind is just this person meditating in a disconnected aisle, on a disconnected aisle, uh, away from the stripes of the rest of the world. So I think Tolkien here is saying that there are, there are some, not, not these legend makers, that encourage us to ignore reality in order to maintain this serenity and within economic bliss. So if we can get away from poverty, at least economic poverty, then maybe that'll fix our existential dread. And Tolkien here is saying that it's not, it's not economics. It's deeper and wider, much deeper, much wider than mere material forces. It's a matter of the soul, not just of the body. It's not just bread and circuses. It's not just food. There is, as Jesus would say, Man lives not on bread alone. There are higher drives, higher hungers that need to be satisfied. Next line. For swearing souls to gain a serous kiss. So Ceres, I had to look this one up. And this is a Greek goddess of herbs and medicine. And so she's a kind of palliative power that helps soothe our wants and our shouldn't say wants our insufficiencies our longings but it's an opiate kind of solution it merely masks the longing it doesn't satisfy it but even this we see in the next line is counterfeit at that machine produced. So in this Greek idea of Circe, at least this mask, this covering of longing was in some way natural. It was herbs. It was natural remedies. But now we have machine produced synthetic. Maybe we can look at it 
in the way that we distill alcohol. We distill drugs to make them more potent. And maybe we can even try to distill certain things that we think will give us satisfaction and just overdose on those things. If we think of something like vacation time from work, maybe. Work is something that we, a lot of us, feel is overbearing. And it takes a certain amount of distance from work in a given amount of time in order to feel satisfied in doing your work because you don't feel over, over, you don't feel that it's in too, too heavy of a load. But we still need to work to feel satisfied. And if we lay in bed all day, that doesn't lead to a very good place. So we need to sleep. But if we distill that experience and just get on an opium drip of leisure, then it takes us to a worse place than we started. Bogus seduction of the twice seduced. So what I just said, I, I hadn't thought of this before, but maybe what I just said is connected to this twice seduced concept. We were seduced into thinking that the opposite of what we believe was the source of this dissatisfaction would give us satisfaction, but merely getting the opposite of that thing is not what's going to give us satisfaction. We need to get to that mean. As the Greeks say, virtue is found in the mean. You have something like courage, and then you have something like foolhardiness. And if someone has an, an overabundance of courage, then you become arrogant. You, you become hubristic. Whereas if you say, I don't want to be arrogant, and I don't want to be hubristic, What's the most simple thing to do? It's to go to the other end of the spectrum. Into meekness in a negative way. Into resignation. Into not taking any action. So courage can, be, can become foolhardiness. It can become hubristic. It can become arrogant. But also the other end of the spectrum can has those negative aspects too so we need to find the mean and this is how we keep from being twice seduced we don't want to be seduced on this end we don't want to be seduced on this end we need to find that mean and I think Tolkien would accept that this <laughs> this pendulum concept is such a fractal aspect of our existence that we have even in our own lives, we live lives of swinging from one extreme to the other. And ideally, that swing becomes less and less and less until it sits more or less at that mean through effort and virtuous conditioning.
striving after those virtues. Next line. Such isles they saw afar, and ones more fair, and those who hear them yet may yet beware. So, these legend makers, they saw isles afar, beyond those lotus isles, beyond those isles of resignation, and ones more fair. So they are the true satisfaction. And obviously we have this symbolism in the Lord of the Rings of the Grey Havens taking the elves and eventually Frodo, Gandalf, Gimli, Legolas to the Undying Lands. And the... And everyone... I want to say everyone except for the legend makers in the Lord of the Rings story have no real idea that these lands exist. These elves, I think, are the high elves in particular, are this most, I think they're the most clear idea of legend, of legend makers, of sub-creators in Tolkien's story. At least the ones that we see more or less clearly in that trilogy. Because whenever you see the High Elves, whenever you read about them, they're, they're constantly singing to Eru Ilúvatar. They're singing of the Undying Lands. They're singing of elemental forces. And again, this, this isn't a, an equation. These songs are functional. These songs are symbolic. They're not literal, per se. But they express higher truth and, in the same way, base truth. And those who hear them yet may yet beware. So, if we yet hear them, if we're able to hear them in the first place, then we have the chance of bewaring what they're saying, being aware of what they're saying. They have seen death and ultimate defeat. So this is another what we said. They, they see the culmination, even if it isn't clear. They have hints, and they're oriented at being able to identify where our actions, individual and collective, are moving, and maybe where we've been even. And yet they would not in despair retreat. So these, so this Lotus Isle, this Lotus Isle of resignation and organized delight, this is a retreat away from, this is just the way that I see it, but in a way it's a retreat from individual responsibility and individual satisfaction. And we're, in a way, pushing our agency onto the collective and hoping that they will satisfy our desires. But these desires are not material. They're personal, fundamental, essential, elemental. And so these... I'll just say 
socialistic movements can't satisfy those. And again, Dostoevsky, I think, speaks most beautifully about this. But oft to victory have tuned the lyre and kindled hearts with legendary fire. Oft to victory have tuned the lyre. This makes me think of David in the Bible, how he likes to play his lyre. And in playing, it's not some frivolous resignation from life. That's not why he plays his lyre. There's something that he gets from music. There's some base truth that he gets from music that he's able to translate into victory in life for his people and for himself, ultimately. And kindled hearts with legendary fire. So we have this kindled hearts with legendary fire. This fire illuminates. And we'll see that we'll see that in the next line, but kindled hearts. So these hearts were were dying. In The Great Divorce by Lewis, he talks about if the angels, if there's still one burning ember in the soul of a person, the angels can blow on that ember and create a raging fire. But if there's nothing but ash, they will not continue to blow ash into their own faces. And Tolkien here is saying that that illuminating fire of truth and inquiry and fundamental truth is kindled after tuning this lyre and after not resigning and not retreating. It's given to other people. That courage is translated to other people. Illuminating now and dark hath been hath been would you say hath been in this context I mean it rhymes if you say it that way I'm just not sure if that's completely correct but that's how I said it in my recitation illuminating now in dark hath been in light of suns as yet by no man seen so here we go um, I said that these legend makers they're able to see the holistic course that we're on and where it's potentially moving. So they see the now by seeing the dark hath been. And this dark, this this dark hath been, it's the same thing where he says, of things not found within recorded time. So this is before recorded time, and it's dark. And we're getting fire above this line, legendary fire. And then we'll get suns in light of suns in the next line. So the next line, with light of suns as yet by no man seen. With light of suns. So they're, they're illuminating this truth with the enlightening of these fountainheads of knowledge that he's calling sons here, as yet by no man seen. So 
I think what he might be saying here is, is that one day in our perfected, however you want to define that, nature, we will be able to look at these sources of knowledge clearly. Now they're just too bright for us to really comprehend. But in the future, we'll be able to we'll all be able to come to a better understanding of these things. But these legend makers who see the dark hath been are able to also see the illuminating light of the future. All right. I really liked that stanza. Um, I try not to get too excited when I feel like Tolkien is... pre-echoing my political leanings and hopefully um, people who don't agree with these political statements in the way that I presented them can find something that they find useful in this still. If you don't agree with how I interpreted these just think about ways in which you might be able to appreciate Tolkien's perspective or a way in which you feel that I, that I may have misunderstood what he meant. Perhaps he's not referring to these socialist movements of the mid-20th century. Perhaps he is. Perhaps to a certain degree. But... I'm looking forward to getting into the last few stanzas of this poem. It's been nine stanzas so far, and we have three left. It's uh, pretty incredible to even think about being able to finish this thing. This is not something that I thought was possible for my, uh, at least for myself, um, even in the not too distant past. So forgive me for being a little proud of myself. <laughs> All right. See ya.